Mogaraja asks uh, the Buddha, how can I avoid the gaze of the Lord of Death? How can I avoid death? It's, I think it's a good question if you have just a few minutes with the Buddha. You know, you can ask one question. It's, it's probably good to go straight to the central point, you know, not just like, hey, how are you? Because you know he's good. <laughs> you, know, you know he's fine. He took care of his psyche. So, how can you um, avoid death? And the Buddha says, be ever watchful, Mogaraja, and never take anything as I or mine. So, two instructions. Be ever watchful, Mogaraja, and never take anything to be I or mine. And so we can see we have a little bit of clearing to do. There's another uh, deep and pithy teaching that you might have heard before. It's an encounter that uh, Bahia has with the Buddha. And Bahia thought he was awake because he was doing pretty fine. But somebody, uh, a friend, a good spiritual friend, told him, uh, I think you're not completely done. I think there's still little hooks. They're hidden. You don't see them. But, and there's one person you could talk to, the Buddha, very, very far away. Bahia walked for hundreds of kilometers and uh, was able to uh, find the Buddha and asked him for a teaching uh, and the Buddha said oh not now because I have to go I eat only once a day and it's time for me to go gather my food you know and Bahia said no but it's very important he, he kind of was awakened to the impermanence the ephemerality, the fleeting nature, the unreliable nature of the world. You know? So, even though the Buddha said, later I'll give you a teaching, he said, no, 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 please. We have no idea what can happen. I'm here, I walked all this distance, it's very important. Even something very short will do. The Buddha said, no, Bahia, after the, after the meal, I'll be happy to talk with you. And Bahia, a third time, said, no, 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 really, really. I have no idea what's coming. You're here, I'm here. Just a few words. And the Buddha said just a few words. As you might have heard the, this before. He said, Bahia, in the seeing, let there be only the seeing. In the hearing, only hearing in the perceiving or the cognizing 
only the perceiving, the cognizing. If there is no you here, nor there, nor in between the two, that, that is the end of suffering. So in this practice, we sit and uh, we start to pay attention to reality instead of our ideas about stuff. So we're getting a little closer to reality, not in the stories, the concepts, the fictions. We come a little closer, we start to smell, we start to touch, taste, become aware that thinking is happening when it's happening instead of being engrossed or duped by it, entranced, swallowed, kidnapped, captured, tortured. (laughs) We become aware that thinking is happening as in the same way that we become aware that sound is happening or tingling is happening. We get really specific. We know that the thought is a thought. We know that uh, a taste is a taste. Before it's a little bit mixed. If I think of somebody, I think it's really them. But as I'm awakening, I'm discovering that thinking of somebody is a production of the mind. It's a now event. So that's liberating in and of itself. You know, I'm not caught in the past. There's a present production of imagery. Yeah. So I'm getting more specific about that. And I pay attention a little longer and the mind stabilizes and the heart stabilizes and the body stabilizes or everything gets balanced the ephemerality will start to appear that thoughts pass emotions pass sounds pass weather passes ideas passes impressions passes perceptions pass they all pass and the more I'm touched by this this is kind of a, sometimes it's because of the quality of awareness I'll be deeply touched in one time but most of the time it's more like um, the rope that ties the boat to the dock that is uh, kind of like what is the word um, scratching whatever the word is like slowly against the dock you know? and it's by again in a constant uh, recurrent uh, regular connection quality connection with uh, impermanence ephemerality, change uh, fleeting nature that by this little rub at some point there's a, the bigger insight comes it's not like a one insight but it's, it's because there's been this rubbing rubbing and at some point punk, understanding more deeply like, release happens the, the, the chain or the rope of misunderstanding is cut by constant rubbing this is what we're doing here for a week paying attention again and again we don't get too diverted the attention diverted is that the word? by stories you know we say yes the story is very important and what about the toes now? What about the temperature now? Can that be known? Because it's also in reality. Yes, the story is also in reality. It's also happening in the mind. 
but there's also what's here. And so, and when we touch impermanence, ephemerality more and more, we cannot, it cannot be otherwise that we will discover that things can't be owned because they happen because of conditions and they disappear also because that's in their nature to disappear. So I cannot really define myself by an emotion because it passes. I cannot really define myself by a, a posture because it's gone at some point. I cannot define myself by a breath because it's gone. And insight also works infer- inferentially. It means that when I understand that things go, I start to understand that everything goes. So I start to have an intuition, insight, intuition, that my health is not mine. It's there, relative health. But it won't be like this all the time. I cannot control it. I can contribute, but cannot control. My memory is not mine. It's memory. It's a phenomena, a human phenomena. It passes. My clarity or confusion is not mine. It's a natural phenomena that is happening now. I cannot absolutely define myself by that. I cannot find anything that can actually define myself. Even this knowing, this knowing of the sound of the the car, the knowing the car goes, and the knowing too, that knowing of an experience is gone with the experience. Every moment of knowing goes. So if I pay attention, I come really, really close to death, actually. But not the big, dramatic one that I'm projecting. The immediate death of experience, constant. It was there all along. And it can be integrated, it can be known, it can be experienced. Yesterday I was saying about being not habitual with bowing if you do that. Because for me, it is a practice to actually feel my hands like this and become aware of these impressions, the impressions of touch of hands and how that experience is dead now. It's gone. There's no more hands touching thighs. And that experience, I really want to be there because in a few seconds it's gone also, hands touching hands. Similarly with holding the stick or holding the recorder, this experience of weight, I want to really feel it because it's an ephemeral experience. You know, I can think about the time of my death, but that'll be in, in imagination. If I want to Acquaint myself with death. Maybe there's a way to do this here, just here. It's a progressive, it's not dramatic. I'm willing to let go of the weight of the recorder. Gone. Oh, Pascal, you can be with things going. And later I'll be able to try it with something else, a really good taste. Ah, this is a really good taste. Can I actually let be there as it goes? Ah, I can even with the taste. So maybe I can do that with something else too. You know, 
maybe I can let go that somebody was projecting perfection on me and now it's gone. You know? How oh, even that felt so good to be perfect in somebody's eyes. And now it's gone. Oh my God. I've practiced with recorders and tastes. I can do that now with uh, somebody's perceptions. And maybe uh, this is my practice every day to notice disappearance, to experience it fully, and to allow it to open the heart, to allow the heart to meet this with balance. So later when there's a loss of identity, suddenly um, I lose a role that I have, maybe I'll be able to this too, willingly. Not that I won't feel grief or loss, but maybe I'll be able to go in that disappearance with uh, voluntarily. Okay, I'll do that. It's going anyway. Let me, I know that I can do that. I can be with that. And for sure, one day there will be one loss that I won't be able to cope with for a while. And that'll be okay too. I'll have to use compassion and patience and care and lose it and do this in a messy way. It's going to happen. But then I'll remember, oh, there is a practice, daily practice of being with disappearance, death, loss. And it can have sweetness to it. It can have... Uh, can have that appreciation, preciousness of events can become outstanding, you know. Like now, there's this weather that is there. It's outstanding, it's particular. Actually, now it's at 10 o'clock that there's 30% chances of rain. <laughs> <laughs> so not only is the weather changing, but the prévision also. <laughs> Uh, the, this uh, accurate weather thing that is accurately changing all the time it's <laughs> when it thinks it's going to happen. Okay, so this is the practice that we're doing here. So we do this in a soft way. We do this, we don't do this in a dramatic way. We do this just here with these sensations disappearing with this breath disappearing, with this thought, this important thought disappearing, with this new perception, vision, being cluttered again, or veiled again. Oh my God, I had clarity about this, and now it's gone again. Wow, disappeared. Can that be okay? Can that be okay? Shall we try this a little bit? Let's uh, put pen and paper down and find our posture.
couple of minutes, we'll do a little exploration with thought. It might be uh, use, useful for you. It certainly is for me. I like to do this exercise once in a while. So you might have done it before with me or somebody else. But for now, we'll just get uh, acquainted with reality as it is now and see if that can be okay, if that can be allowed to be like that. The outer, the weather outside and the inner meteorology or emotion neurology. Can the body be like that and be known? Can we let the body breathe as it does? Can we let consciousness know as it does? We let it reveal, encounter the different phenomena of the senses. Breath or touch. Or let awareness reveal the mood that is there now. <coughs> Quiet intense or neutral or sweet or spacious or tight down heavy light and we'll see if we can notice the appearance of the next thought. See it uh, pop up or arise or lend. Feel it. Become aware of it. being attuned, interested in what's in between thoughts, words said or heard or images flashing in the mind. Maybe just a simple knowing that does its thing of knowing. Notice maybe if there are any, the disappearance of thought, what happens when what has to be said has been said, 
And if you want to, you could think voluntarily, just to experience thought in a voluntarily way. You could think, I am, and put your full name there if you want to, I am so and so, and I am thinking right now. How does it resonate in the body? How does it sound true or not? And you can think this a few times. Play with it. I am so and so and I am thinking right now. could leave a gap in between words just to see what's alive in the gap. then think the same sentence but let go of the second part just keep the name and family name the first part of the sentence feel that a few times and drop the family name keep just the first three words of the sentence How does that feel? And drop even your first name, just keep the first two words, I am. drop the second word just keep the first word and drop that one too
you're interested in that particular area of your experience, of the appropriation, identification, you could once in a while just ask, who's hearing while hearing? Who's sitting? Who is knowing? Do not answer with words, but with mindfulness, with presence, with silence, attention, intimacy.
in the hearing, let there be only the hearing. In knowing, let there be only knowing. Someone else uh, asks the Buddha, so do you guys, talking about awakened ones, guys and girls, guys, guys in general, guys, do you still say I? And uh, the Buddha says, yes, we still say I, but we know the limit of this uh, language or talking. We say I, but we know it's a relative I, it's a conventional I, that it doesn't describe, you know, we're not uh, fooled by the language, believing completely, absolutely, you know, that everything that comprises this I is belonging to a certain moi. So this investigation really needs uh, a quiet mind. Uh, if the mind is a little agitated or busy, this, this is, uh, as Ajahn Chah says, this is going to crack your brain. You know, it's going to lead to proliferation of thoughts, to fear, to confusion, to annoyance, <laughs> uh, etc. This, this is a, an inquiry for... F- you know, you have to have put your consciousness in your elevator and drop it in the heart and have dropped it in the body and dropped it in reality and it has to be like really grounded in experience, presence, sustained to actually start questioning this. Um, so any questions about practice, about this uh, topic or, or anything else? Yes. Um, at the end of the first talk and the first minute, you said, um, "Thank you for trusting us to white males, and appreciation for acknowledging those identities." But now I'm interested in 
this word trust, as we're encouraged to let go and be in moment-to-moment experience, what is this activity of trusting? Mm. So a question about uh, trust, yeah. Yeah, that's a great uh, exploration for you. You know, it's very, it's a very rich field. Advocates certainly try to say a few words on this. Um, my understanding of this practice is that it's meant to be a tool for independence, so one can see for themselves what is what, clarify things. So don't have to believe, you know. So um, that's what I kind of hear the Buddha saying in my understanding again is, let me show you a tool, a set of tools, a technique, so that you can clarify things for yourself. You won't have to believe anybody. You'll be able to consider maybe trust, voices, suggestions, uh, etc. But you'll be able to more and more see clearly for yourself. You won't even have to believe your own thoughts about things and biases and conditionings, you know, you'll be able to even clarify that, see through that, you know, through your perceptions, and you'll be able to see what is a perception, and uh, how it's moving, and how it, it suggests that it, it's reality, you know, so that's, and what I see in practice is that this kind of, uh, there's a kind of trust that builds, like, I would use the word confidence, the more I practice, the more I can see, and I can see this in people who practice around, is the capacity, the confidence. I can be with that. I can be with that. I can actually clarify that. I can attend to that. I can let that reveal itself. You know? And so, uh, with the other qualities of compassion and care and courage and uh, humility, honesty, uh, equanimity, all this, there's this uh, confidence that uh, comes. So some, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, and it's, others would talk about the faith in the Dharma, like a trust that, oh, this body of teaching is somewhat reliable, you know, even, you know, maybe not exactly perfect because it's gone through human beings over time and stuff, but there's a, you know, the, there's something about it that I can rely on as a, to launch my own exploration at least. Is that, yeah, thank you. So thank you for the initial trust, you know, <laughs> or ongoing trust, but not belief. Yes? Just to say one more thing on this thing. Um, I'm struck this retreat um, again by uh, how impeccable the teachings are. That's where my trust comes from. Mm. Thank you, John. It's, uh, we're part of, all of us here, we're part of a lineage. Huh? So it's, uh, it's there's, there's, there's something to it that I feels um, good to name and honor there's a, there's a generations of generations of human beings who not just not have studied like the theories of this but have uh, 
practice really hard to embody, to intuit, to experience, to, and that's what we're all doing. We're in that that thing, and you know, it's uh, it's it's a beautiful thing to actually learn to, in our own ways, to embody these. It's not talks about compassion; it's embodying compassion. That's what we're. That's why we come here to practice. Is to embody wisdom, to find wisdom inside, so it becomes a part of this, uh, these beings. That's that's a we call this noble endeavor. You know, it's, a, it's a noble thing to do. So it's good to be aware that this is what we're doing. You know. So yeah, the sense of humor as a seventh sense, and the sense of balance as an eighth sense. <laughs> yeah, bring them on. If we notice that something is helpful, and helpful or beneficial in Buddhist psychology means uh, helpful for myself and others, beneficial for myself and others. You know? So if we notice this, we can in- integrate this. You know, there's so many ways to divide reality. You can divide it in two, uh, physical, uh, inner, you know, like mental. You can divide it in five, five senses, six. You, you know, I would tend to bring the sense of balance of like uh, it somehow part of the sixth sense of the mind, like the capacity to be have such a presence that one is grounded and you know in the sense of humor like that but we can put it as seven or eight it's it's in a way it's arbitrary what's important is the felt sense that this is actually helpful you know this is helping me along you know and uh yeah and to keep an eye and see and sometimes the sense of humor you know might be actually detrimental in some ways you know and some and to actually have the wisdom, the discernment to see, oh, welcomed here. Oh, and here it became exuberance. You know, it's disconnected from reality. But here it's humor that has in it compassion, love, kindness, inclusion, some, something that is helpful. You know. And so, and all this is for us to feel into. And so I, I like that you said I had that experience of balance, you know, and what it is when the mind is busy, how even phys- in physical safety is at risk, you know, and how uh, humor and joy can actually be unward, li- unward leading. 
So we come here to clarify this for ourselves. You know. Great, thank you. But yes, just a moment. I'll, I'm going to see in terms of gender balance. I keep my eye open to, for this. Yes. <coughs> question there's thousands of discourses you know? so I wouldn't be surprised if he did but nothing maybe temple but nothing comes to mind for me but definitely pretty much every day he had something to say about ephemerality and the passing nature of phenomena and so nothing just now comes to mind but uh, uh, yeah how, but we can see what, what I hear you name is the tightening and the, the grasping and the wanting to keep something that is not totally <coughs> controllable and that will go, you know. And how that can be a release and like, okay, it, has, it actually is going to go. You know, can, can I allow that to be so? And maybe finding some ease in that is uh, the, main, the main thing. Thanks for the question. If I think of something, or if we do, or let me know. The, oh yeah, the, thank you, the heavenly messenger. The whole, actually, path started with something like that. <laughs> do you know of the heavenly messengers? Yeah. So the encounter with uh, uh, old age, uh, sickness, and death, and then the encounter with uh, spiritual practice. So for those who are not aware of just a couple of words on on this uh, the Buddha was uh, the Buddha to be was living in a very protected environment where there was a lot of beauty a lot of uh, pleasures and uh, in a little palace a little kingdom something like this partly legendary but some of it has truth to it probably and so the story goes that he jumped one night over the fence of the, of the little um, protected area where he lived and uh, had never seen sickness, so maybe encountered somebody was uh, on the ground in the street being sick and was disturbed by, by this. And his friend who was with him said, yeah, this is going to happen to everybody, to you too. And he was like we are when it happens to us or somebody we love maybe uh, suddenly we have a shock and then you had the shock of seeing uh, somebody who was uh, an elderly with their maybe their back rounded or something like this and dry skin or 
you know, thin skin. He was shocked to be, he hadn't seen that really computed, <laughs> you know, registered it. And he was shocked and he learned that this was going to happen to all of us. And the same thing with the corpse that was carried in the street and the shock of uh, uh, seeing this and understanding. And that was kind of a, and then he met, uh, crossed the path with the renunciate, somebody with shaved head, living with uh, rags, clothes made of rags, and uh, going for um, alms rounds maybe. And uh, it was a, somebody explained to him that this, or maybe he just recognized that this was somebody who was on a quest, questioning assumptions and biases and expectations and beliefs. And so that was the whole, uh, wow, we're going to die, we're going to be sick, we're going to age. I have to come to terms with that, you know, and understand what's that about. And who am I if I'm not health, I'm not youth, and I'm not, uh, you know, this functioning body. Wow, so we have a big day in front of us to clarify all this. <laughs> we do that breath by breath, step by step, thought by thought. And we don't rush. There's no. There's no rush. You have maybe lifetimes that helps you relax. Um, there are groups today, and now this can be done in movement also. For me, I love walking. And just that particular investigation in walking is great. I'm always interested in who decides to turn. You know. Often the idea to turn when I'm walking happens when I'm going to hit the tree. You know, suddenly arises in moi the clever idea to stop and turn. <laughs> and sometimes when I'm more quiet, I notice that it's actually conditional. Or where I'll go uh, walking, is that really my choice? Or it's pleasure looking for this, or quiet, you know, wisdom looking for a quiet spot the appropriate spot. Who's running the show? Is it really you or it's mental states? You know? Greed or kindness or care? Who's, who's actually in charge? Okay, enjoy. You have a little, an, a little, an, oh, maybe I'll say just a little something. I want to correct something I just said, and we'll come back to your question later. And I said I want to be aware of a gender, but it's my assumption of genders. But because I don't want to impose any gender on anybody, but you know, sitting here, I also it's kind of like two things. I don't want to impose any gender on anybody, yet I want some balance to be there. So. I don't know if you can follow me, but it's kind of a tricky thing. And so, thank you. And little announcement. Just, um, uh, if I can have a bell ring, please, for the 1150 sits. The bell ringing outside, bringing us back for the new set. Thank you. Before yoga, in the yoga room, upstairs, in the barn, 
Were you also volunteering to ring the bell? Or the no, I think Carol, you don't do that. Ah, okay. Thanks, Great. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.